Welcome back, horror fans, to the Week in Horror Podcast. The only podcast that's coming to get you, Barbara. This week, we're covering select horror films released between January 17th and January 23rd. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Eugene, and with me today are JL and Alex. Good evening, everyone. No, you're supposed to say it like, good evening. Good evening. <laughs> good evening. <laughs> What's happening, y'all? Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. It has been, it has been a, a fucking week. It's, uh, you know, I, I watch enough horror movies. I watch enough horror stuff throughout the week to prepare for each one of these episodes. And now I've got horror, like, fiction going on this side, and I've got horror everywhere else. It's really an amazing time to be alive. <laughs> I was born in it. <laughs> born it, molded by it. I didn't see an online horror film till I was already a man. <laughs> oh man! Oh yeah, Eugene, uh, you're coming. Uh, you're coming in a tad loud. Um, are you able to lower your volume just just a hair? Oh, I can. I just be on your side. Oh, is somebody say something? So. No, I think I don't. I, well, I, oh, I can't see Eugene, so I can't lower his volume. I can lower. I can lower your volume. <laughs> All right, let's see. Who do we have in chat tonight? Well, I know first and foremost, Jessica G was first, and she says, "Fuck y'all, second and beyond, bitches." Now, Jessica G, our our stream queen. Hi, and Jessica. Course, hello, Jessica. And then, of course, Dark Steve is in the house. Good to see you, Flat Derp. Showed up. Flat Dirt makes amazing animated content uh, regarding uh, flat earthers and shit like that, and other idiots out there on the internet. And it is absolutely hysterical. <laughs> if you've not subscribed to Flat Dirt's content, you need to get over there and check that out. Bro, I was in I was in Denton today, and they have like a big flat Earth group up there. They've got like a house and everything. All their cars are all painted up. Every time I drive by, I just want to just drive my truck into there. Wow, we've got Catnip Entertainment in the house. Good to see you, and PhD Tony, one of the four beardsmen of the apocalypse. Good to see you as well. Is this okay? So if it was Eugene, the parrot, Irish demon, team skeptic, and me, would that be still would that still be worth watching? More than likely, Eugene on any stream adds a level of sexiness that none of these other content creators can even match. So well, you cannot go wrong. You cannot go wrong putting Eugene on your stream. And let's see who else we've got. We've got Martianistas in the house. Good to see you. Um, strange, didn't get a notification for this. You know, YouTube is being crazy with the notification things. I, I, have, I haven't gotten notifications for, like, Team's latest stuff, for Irish's latest stuff, so I have no idea what's going on with it. I just try I, to re- I try to refresh the bell when I can. I don't know what's going on too because the stuff I do get recommended is like weird. Like well, we got a fucking stuff. idiot causing issues with the internet, so everybody's panicking and just and everything's all fucked up. Let's see who else we got. Who else we got? Jinju, good to see you. Eugenio's barber, fifty bucks. What the? Oh, that barber bitch is horning in on Eugene. Jessica G, you need to do something. Yes, Jessica G. <laughs> Jessica G was so Eugene thirsty last week, uh, but now you are here to quench her thirst. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> and basic trigonometry is in the house. Man, amazing! Fucking all the fucking beautiful people are up in the stream. God damn it! Now that song stuck in my head. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and there's the plot hole. Yes. Uh, there it is. We see you. We see you now, plot hole. So, good to see everyone. Man, oh man, oh man, oh man. Let's take a look at this. Um, 
you know, usually we talk, usually we do like a like a, a previous week anecdote, and I was I, I was trying to find something, but it is so insane <laughs> out there right now. I don't I don't know what. I, how how's your guys' week been? My, I've been I've been I've, literally I've just been busy because I've been you know at work and work is just kind of crazy. It's oh, like look they, at him over here with the job. They waited. <laughs> <laughs> they waited until it's it's like it's like all of the residents waited until after the holidays. Everyone was nice during the holidays. Now the holidays are over. Now they're just like you know, you know, fuck you. So correct, dude, they had to deal with families. They had to hold everything in, and now it's just like. Dump it all over you, G or JL, because you know. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Why am I getting dumped on? <laughs> fix my shit. Know. Fix my you shit. You haven't been. You haven't been here. Just come over here and fix something. <laughs> How's it going, Jeff Roberts? Good to see you. Good to see you. But you guys have had a good week. It's been a decent week so far. Am I getting harassed about my hat again, Jessica G? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Alex needs to put, Jessica G says Alex needs to put on his hat. I feel like that should be mandatory. He looks like he was born with it on. There you go. Well, I mean, he was. He, he was born with the hat on and a can of Monster in the other, in one hand, and a piece of drywall in the other. It's Alex, not Kyle, you dick. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So I, I have said uh, this is this is so good. I'm actually really I was really excited for this episode because the film selection we chose, and of course anybody can you can read it in the title, you can see it in the description. Um, the films I chose uh, are kind of you know they're favorites, they're favorites of mine. I like them. Some of them are a couple of guilty pleasures, but there's one towards the end we're going to talk about that I'm really excited about because these guys, it, it it's fucked up. It's really really fucked up. So I can't wait till we can get to that. So um, yeah, yeah, it's kind of freaking me out how into this you are after. Yeah, yeah that is. If you need um, to talk. If you yeah. need to talk, uh, go to BetterHelp. <laughs> we can horror therapy session. This one might twist you up, man. Oh, okay. So, uh, but I guess we dive in. What do you think? Yeah, you know, what? let's go for it. There, people are looking for horror movies and. JL, what do we got up first? Yes, all right. Feel my line. I, I I alternate around. I don't want to feel. I, you know, Eugene is so fucking sexy, and then you have that line. You know, I don't. I just you know, he, I don't want him to only be thought of as meat. You know, I need to give him something. <laughs> I have a brain too. I have thoughts and, and I, feelings. <laughs> we don't want to just. We don't. We don't want to just. You know, give in to Jessica G's objectification of Eugene. So we need to like give him something. I mean, something. that's like a that's like a footing of this entire show. So. <laughs> I know, right. <laughs> At least take me out to dinner first. If we ever lose Eugene, all the patrons are going to go fucking with him, and I'm just going to be talking. I'm, I'm going to be talking to you, Alex. <laughs> okay, for the first the first film we have up tonight was released January seventeenth, nineteen ninety six, uh, from dusk till dawn. So, directed by Robert Rodriguez, screenplay by Quentin Tarantino, starring Harvey Keitel, George Clooney, Quentin Tarantino, Juliette Lewis, Cheech Marin, Fred Williamson, and Salma Hayek, and Danny Trejo. He's not in the official list, but he was in there and he was badass. Not to mention Tom Savini and his appearance as Sex Machine, probably the greatest <laughs> role ever created. And he proves uh, it, too. And he does prove it, yes. And, of course, the plot summary for anybody who has not seen this, although I doubt uh, none of y'all, uh, or doubt no one has not seen it. Did, did I say that right? Oh, I don't know. No, fucking no words. one has not seen it. I have no idea. <laughs> fucking words. But um, for anybody who has not seen From Dust Till Dawn, uh, the original one, 
The uh, story revolves around a couple of ba- a couple of bank robbers who are on the run from uh, run from the authorities, trying to get to Mexico to meet up with their contacts, and they are told to lay low uh, until they can get picked up at this bar in the middle of like nowhere on the border called the Titty Twister, which turns out to be the hangout of a massive cult of vampires. So, and obviously, yeah, shit gets wild, as Eugene likes to say, but uh, <laughs> shit, gets shit really real. does. Shit hits the fucking fan, but um, what the fuck do you really... expect with Rodriguez and Tarantino on the fucking? I know. <laughs> so a horror, a horror film. It's interesting because it was the this is the first professional writing gig that Quentin Tarantino had going into Hollywood. Originally, the the film uh, from Dust Till Dawn was supposed to be the sequel to uh, Tales from the Crypt's Demon Knight because Tales from the Crypt they wanted to do three. Uh, they wanted to do a trilogy. And they had opted, uh, they'd optioned uh, Tarantino's script uh, from From Dust Till Dawn to be the second film because they wanted to do a vampire movie. But then at the last minute, they passed on it and decided to go with Bordello of Blood. And now, of course, this was released solo, released you know uh, by itself, and has gone on. Obviously, From Dust Till Dawn, Bordello of Blood, meh. From Dust Till Dawn was absolutely amazing. But these two together, I mean, come on. It's like. Okay, so I love Tarantino movies. I think I'd probably say he's probably one of my top favorite directors ever. It's just watching. I remember seeing a bunch of like Grindhouse stuff, and uh, and when I saw like Planet Terror, when the, the you know the later stuff that he did, I, I was like, okay, I got to go back. And I and I went back and I've watched like pretty much all of his movies. The style does something for me. Just being being in a Tarantino movie, it's like you can get into those and just lose yourself for hours. And then you you add you know Rodriguez calling the shots really on this, and it's just like. You get fucking from dusk till dawn. You can't even really, you can't even really say much more. If you haven't seen it, it's it's an absolute must. Some of the one-liners in this movie, some of the fucking <laughs> in this yes. movie. It's Dude, just, so someone in Jessica Jones message yeah. had Cheech Marin saying "pussy" like a thousand times <laughs> in a row. <laughs> if, I, if I ever have the balls, I'm going to do an audition and I'm going to use that monologue. <laughs> <laughs> We got hot pussy. We got cold pussy. We got hairy pussy. We got... This shit is fuck, fucking hilarious. Oh, so fantastic. The thing I like about this film, though, is because it starts off with like a robbery, and it has a it has a feel of oh, okay, what's well, like a robbery and a getaway and all because usually like vampire movies they'll have like um, in the beginning they'll have like a vampire come out or you know vampires exist or something. This is none of that. It's just regular people. They're on the run, they're in Mexico, they're just doing this, and then they just walk out of a bar. And you don't really see the first vampire until like halfway through the film, but then when the vampires come out, they fucking come out. Like, they hit <laughs> hard. They, they don't They don't stop. And then you got shit like, uh, fuck, was it in the first one, the, the dick gun or the belt gun? The dick? That was the, uh, the, the, the um... The codpiece gun is what they call it, but, <laughs> yeah. that, was, but that was uh, that was Rodriguez's throwback to Desperado. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that was what was that was what was so cool about this because Tarantino, Tarantino, if one thing he's excellent at is he's excellent at world building. His scripts create a if you whatever all of his films they, they, they kind of exist in the universe. There's said to be two kinds of universes. There's the universe that is Tarantino's version of like the of reality. Like, these are real people doing real things. And then the other movies he makes are movies that his characters would want to watch. So, and then there, there are concurrent themes throughout them. So Tarantino's world building is excellent. And then you have Rodriguez, who can handle action, drama, and all manner of things. Fantastic director. One of my favorites. 
you know, in the, and he's Texas based, which is cool. Troublemakers, Troublemaker Studios down in Austin. Um, he has a stable of actors that he works with and they trust him. And that's one of the things that stands out in this is kind of like you can it, when you're when your crew and your uh, your cast trust your director implicitly because you've worked with them multiple times before and you have that familiarity. That's why this film flows so well from point to point, especially I mean, from the simple stuff like at the opening robbery scene with George Clooney, Quentin Tarantino and, oh, you know, uh, rest in peace, Michael Parks. Um, who played that role like five more times, the role of that ranger. Uh, but yeah, it was, I mean, it all flowed so incredibly well. It's its weird to think of the two of them, you know, working together so closely, you know, like, like Rodriguez directing from Tarantino's script, but, you know, it plays, it plays really, really well. And it was, it was interesting to note that typically you look at like, uh, like, um, Tarantino's films like uh, Reservoir Dogs or, or uh, Pulp Fiction or the Kill Bill franchise or stuff like that. He has mythology in it, but I never, I never would have anticipated uh, Tarantino writing something like, you know, how deeply Mesoamerican, like Mesoamerican myths and legends. And he went hardcore with this one, which is interesting. Well, yeah, yeah, really, okay. I, I'll go ahead. And it really is. And going back, like watching Dust Till Dawn, and then because I was like, well, how how would these two people like come together? But if you when you watch Desperado, and I think his first one was like El Mariachi, something like that. Yes. And I was like, I can honestly picture Quentin Tarantino directing Desperado. If you like being the style how he was in the nineties, I can totally picture that. So I can picture like them watching each other's work, watching Pulp Fiction, watching Desperado, and look and go, dude, dude, I like what you do that we need to do something together. And we have Dust All Dawn. There was so many cool things about this movie between I mean Robert, like you said, Robert Rodriguez is an unbelievable director. There's like, uh, so like Selma Hayek was not going to take the role in this movie um, because she has a phobia of snakes. And uh, Rodriguez conned her into thinking that Madonna was going to take the part um, so that she, so that she uh, would take the part. And Selma Hayek had to spend two months with therapists to overcome her fear of snakes just to be in this because she didn't want Madonna to nab the part. And then also, did you know, um, instead of Clooney, there was like a whole slew of actors that were like on standby, considered for the role. Um, uh, Antonio, Antonio Banderas, for sure. But uh, Steve Buscemi, uh, Tim Roth, John Travolta, Christopher Walken, Jeff Goldblum, James Woods. Like they were wow. all considered for Damn. the part, uh, for uh, Clooney's part. But, you know, it was like it, picking out of that pool. And I don't... I. Clooney was great for that specific. Seeing him in this movie was great um, because it wasn't, you know, like the, the it wasn't John Travolta. I don't know if Jeff Gold, he's great, love him. I don't know if Goldblum would have been able to fill that role. I don't know if he would. I don't know if any of those people would play across from Quentin Tarantino as well as Clooney did. No, Clooney and was fantastic. It, I mean, seeing Steve in there fucking would have been hilarious. But and it, it was really, really nice because obviously at this point right now, Clooney was known for his time on obviously the Facts of Life, and then he was on ER for a long time. And then to turn around and play a character, so he was he was uh, good natured character. So he was very much like Denzel. It was just you know the characters he plays were wholesome. They were nice. They were friendly. You you really they, you know you really really like him. Guys want to be him. Girls want to do him. And then he turns around and turns in this character right here, which obviously it was fucking badass. But I love it when actors go antithetical to uh, when they when they play uh, when they play outside of their norm when they, when they break rank like that. And, because they always get to do really, really fun shit. And it looked like Clooney was having fun with that, being the violent 
crazy person, you know, next to Quentin Tarantino is just fucking insane. Um, <laughs> Did you um, know when he actually got punched in, uh, punched by Tom Savini? No a shit. Of, a lot of sex machines, like th- when he's throwing around all the like, characters and stuff, he was actually punching a lot of them. Like it was like <laughs> was fucking wild. And then they went and they used green blood to get past censors. It was like, dude, you guys are having a fucking great time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, dude, the, the whole, I was just thinking, the the whole, uh, the plot hole says, we, this was this was his breakout character to get away from the stigma of ER. I wouldn't say it was a stigma of ER, but it did kind of pigeonhole. Um, and I just don't think, unlike, unlike people, unlike actors like Patrick Stewart, who seven years playing Captain Picard, he will always be Captain Picard. But we have seen Patrick Stewart in other movies like Conspiracy Theory, um, uh, Green Room. Where he has broken that mold, but he has the talent to do that. You know, I'm not sitting here knocking George Clooney. George Clooney is very, very talented, but he's not Patrick Stewart talented. So he would probably need need something really extreme to break away from that. But I mean, that was a good character. It was a good show. Um, I, w- I wouldn't call it a stigma in that respect. I wouldn't either. And I think the the, the film actually uses his image because he does all these bad things, but you can actually sympathize with him. You root for him. Yeah, we do. We do end up rooting for the Gecko Brothers. Um, then, of course, when uh, when R- Richie when Richie gets smoked, uh, which is good because I, as good as Tarantino can write, I don't think he's that great of an actor. He's good in small doses, like Four Rooms. His little segment in Four Rooms when he's explaining the bet and he's dropping the money, and Tim Roth is just kind of like, uh, that was a good scene. Like Quentin Tarantino can have his moment and then he can go away, but when he tries to do extended long term characters, it's just it comes off as just eh, kind of hollow and kind of wooden. Um, that's just that's just my opinion. I've never thought much of him as an actor, but as a director and a writer, I thought he was, thought he was really strong. Oh, I mean, that's his hands down special. Yeah, just, I like his little tidbits, and I thought that's one of the things that made him so famous is because he had the little tidbits like in Pulp Fiction, yes, um, with the dead storage, and then I love his little section in Django. I love how you I love how you silenced that with that that one word in there. Yeah. His role as Jimmy, his role as Jimmy is good, but he was always secondary to everybody else in the room. So he was secondary to Sam Jackson, secondary to John Travolta, and secondary to uh Harvey Keitel when Keitel showed up was you know, was Mr. Wolf. So and he always was kind of reactionary to everything that was going on. So I like Tarantino in small doses. Clooney carried the film extremely, uh, very, very well, and it's just a lot of fun. You can tell they're enjoying themselves on the picture itself. The I and I dug that it wasn't your stereotypical vampires. There's, obviously, there's snake themes. It's Mesoamerican, so and they're more. It's more in line with kind of like the shapeshifter idea, which I thought was kind of cool because it wasn't your your prototypical. <laughs> Man, Devil says, "LOL, dead storage." Yeah, we know what he really meant. We know what he was really saying. But I love the breakaway because. Tarantino can always always t- tends to bring something a little bit new to it, and I kind of dug. I just dug the visual nature of it and the the concept that the bar is actually sitting on top of an old Aztec temple, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I, I, I do like I do like the, the stream. There we go. Do oh, do what out? I said I think I got removed from the stream. <laughs> I I just got put you back in. <laughs> I don't yeah, know why so I just cut a, you off for a second. What's well, okay? Yeah. I mean, it's either a void or it's Alex. I mean, it's interchangeable. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Marsh Nisa says, I feel Tarantino breaks the hypnotic spell of the movie when he's in the scenes. Not a gifted actor. Now nah, he really isn't. Um he's he I he's a he's good as a plot jeep. You know, get Tarantino in the Jeep and he just drives the plot to from point A to point B. He, you know, he carries it along. And he works well as that, which is pretty good. Um But yeah, the 
I thought that uh, I thought the vampires in this were cool. I love the snake theme of them. Uh, Rodriguez, I don't know if anybody, either of you, get a chance to see uh, the TV series, the uh, from Dust Till Dawn TV series that Rodriguez uh-huh. put out. Yep. Okay, and the, you know, it was like the first season was like the first movie, and then two and three carried on after that. And you know, Richie didn't die. Richie carried on, but whatever, like this. But and Rodriguez took it more into the the mythology of it with the concept of the snakes and the shapeshifters. They were kind of like vampiric, but they were snake based. Um, which is kind of interesting, but I like what that was, that was all Tarantino's creation. I really, really dug that, and I thought it was smart and uh, a kind of a breakaway from the norm. Uh, we need new depictions of our classic monsters, and we don't get them very, very often. Uh, Thirty Days of Night, um, you kind of you know, it was a good one on vampires. Uh, Warm Bodies was a good one on zombies, uh, so on and so forth. Yeah, it's Warm it's, Bodies was good. It, it was good. I, so the thing is, I like because we get a lot of vampires up to this point where we focus on more of their relationship between, uh, like, with humans, and then they're usually, or it's usually kind of intertwined. If you look at films, kind of like Lost Boys and stuff like that. Whereas this, I like how it did have the snake theme. They were vicious. It was over the top. Uh, still kind of had a grindhouse deadites kind of feel to it when they're yes, the guys playing yes. the uh, body guitar yes. and stuff and like rocking <laughs> out and everything. And it was actually something you just really haven't seen from vampires at that point. And Man Devil says, Have you guys seen? Oh, Marshall said, Yes, the TV series was really good. I really enjoyed it. I thought uh, the, uh, the, the uh, girl that they got to play Santanica. Uh, Satanica Pandemonio. I thought she was really, she's very talented. She was really good in the role. Um, I dug the, uh, it was a good ex- extension of it. And of course, you know, Jake Busey was in there. who's always crazy and fun to watch. Um, uh, Man Devil, have you guys seen the Japanese movie Sukiyaki Western Django? And yes, I have seen that. Um, that is one I have not seen. Yeah, I have not seen it either. Yeah, it was it was Tarantino produced, and of course he had a little role in it, and it was of the steampunk wheelchair dude. It was just a weird. It, it's a weird little film, but it's fun. It's a fun film, and Mandevil then screams out Dracula two thousand. Uh, <laughs> I have seen Dracula two thousand. <laughs> we have seen that one, yes. Um, but obviously, um, I dug, I mean, I, I dig from Dust Till Dawn. I think anybody who has seen it should see it. There's two more sequels that came along after it. Um, I think. Which are pretty, you know, dispensable. I mean, the first one you pretty much only need to see, and then go, then definitely jump to the TV series. It ran for three seasons. Um, I thought it was really, really good. Expanded on on the mythology, went really, really far into it. The hierarchy of the vampires and how they, you know, work within society. And everything. I thought it was really, really cool. Without going to Blade, in that respect. So I thought it was well done. But this is yeah. definitely a classic. Now, I mean, and of course, you know, it, uh, Eugene, you bring it up with the fucking band turns. <laughs> and they got all the fucking body parts. The body it's just like where do the regular instruments go? Where do these come from? <laughs> I will uh, say the the cross shotgun was one of my favorite weapons as a kid. Yes, where yeah. you just say that you hold it up like this and just like that a was boom. Sweet. Yeah. That was sweet. <laughs> And, I mean, and, and it's decent. The, uh, it, it's it's aged decently. I mean, I mean you know, when Harvey Keitel gets hit with the freaking holy water and half his face is fucking melting off and shit. I mean, I, it's just it's a smart, fun little film. I mean, it's it's well it's well crafted. It's Robert Rodriguez in his prime. Everybody loved it. Yeah, you know, everybody loved. You know, obviously, you can tell they really enjoyed being on the set and doing what they did. It's it's a lot of fun. It was really really cool. Oh man, we got some more people. Let's say we've got. Uh, let me see, Jeff Roberts is there. Team Skeptic has joined. 
the chat. Hey, hold on. We had we had a uh, a newbie in here somewhere. Someone new. Someone. Uh... Somebody said, "Oh, right here. It's uh, skydiving skydiver Tanner, popping my weekend horror cherry." Yes. Nice. Thank you for Sky joining back. us. Good to see you. Good like, to see you. Run down. Watch out for Jessica G in the chat. She'll tear you up. Um, <laughs> we're, we're all friends here. <laughs> Team, it's good to see you. Good to see you, sir. Glad you, glad you stopped by. Um, looking awesome. All right. Well, yes, uh, from dust till dawn. So fucking good. And that brings me to the CTA tonight. So I wanted to ask the chat, and of course, um, if you got just later, just let us know in the comments or hit us up at weekendhorror at gmail.com. Did you enjoy the the films or the TV series better? So the films predominantly action-oriented, action, and, you know, gore-oriented, but the TV series got to expand the mythology, give a bit more character building, and do a lot more with some of the characters that we only glimpsed in the uh, film series. So let us know which ones you dug, either the film series or the TV series. Uh, both of them really, really good. So, uh, Team Skepticism at JL Warren, you know, slumming with the homies. Goddamn right, sir. That's how we do. <laughs> Man Devil says the best part in Dracula 2000, part two. Well, there was there was a two. I think it was Dracula 3000. Was when yeah, there's, they, a, there's a Dracula 3000. Yeah, was when the the guy throws the sees Dracula to stop and breaking out, and he counts seven hundred seventy thousand eight hundred seventy four instantly, and then the last one falls, and he updates. <laughs> <laughs> I get that because they're playing on the concept of, of vampires being obsessive compulsive because uh, they played on that trope in the X-Files as well when Mulder throws the sunflower seeds at the vampire the guy has this guy has this guy has a damn it one two three four you're in so much trouble five six seven eight uh, funny shit funny shit definitely let us know in the comments uh, which one was your favorite um, Alex yes. what do we have up next this is a fun one it was pretty fun I liked it uh, we'll talk about The Hitcher. It came out January 19, 2007. Uh, directed by Dave Myers, written by Eric Reed. We had Sean Bean in this one, Sophia Bush, Zachary Knighton, uh, Neil McDonough, Kyle Davis, Skip O'Brien, uh, and then Deputy Harlan was Travis Schmidt. Um, this this movie was I see I hadn't um, I hadn't seen the the new one, and so we were watching it and. I mean, it was, it was like you said, it was fun. It was uh, a hitchhiker gets picked up by these two like college students and uh, turns up, uh, fuck, what was his name? Uh, John Ryder. John Ryder. <laughs> uh, John Ryder. Yeah, John Ryder. <laughs> He's a serial killer and uh, commits some crimes and the two college kids get blamed for him because, you know, the cops are just fucking stupid. But, I mean, it made for a good movie. Not cops in general. I had to take that, you know. <laughs> but you already crossed the line. I know. I was like, no, shit. no, it's movie cops. Movie yeah, movie cops. cops. Movie cops I, I, are stupid. I, I until the killer does it right. You know what? Until the killer is doing it right in front of them. Yeah. But yeah, so they get blamed for. Uh, I mean, without giving too much away, there's a family that gets stabbed, and then they get blamed for it, which was like, what? Come on. But yeah, no, it was fun, and you know, the name John Ryder brought me into it. I mean, that is an awesome name, though, John. Right? <laughs> I, wish I, had, I wish I had a cool name like that. <laughs> no, Alex. Here, here's what's the same what, name. That's what's funny. In the, in the original one, I think, uh, what was it? His name, uh, his, uh, the, the, the Hitcher's name was John Ryder. And I think, yeah. the other, I think the other guy's name, I think the, uh, the other guy's name was Driver. Driver. So that was yeah. his last name in the original one. So it was Driver yeah. Ryder. Ryder Driver. <laughs> wow. No, I remember seeing the old one a long time ago. Oh, yeah. Um, Steve oh, Thomas yeah. Howell. 
C. Thomas yeah. Howell, Rutger Hauer, and uh, Jennifer Jason Lee. I think was in it. Yeah, you would got oh uh, yeah, Rutger Howler, Jennifer Jason Lee. Trying to think um, who else was in it. C. Thomas Howell. Yeah, Jeffrey mm-hmm. Demun was in it. Oh yeah, Jeffrey Demun, yeah. Yeah. In it. And I was actually I was kind of curious because I like the original and it's it, to me watching the remake, it was kinda of weird. It's like, well, the original only came out in nineteen eighty six. It wasn't kind of that far off on it. But I actually I really did enjoy it on top of that. I think I really did. Um, I do like Rutger Hauer a little bit more than Sean Bean. Um, yeah, Rutger, Rutger Hauer's characterization of it. I mean, I think Rutger Hauer just emotes better than Sean Bean does. I think he overall he's just a stronger actor. And plus, just watching him, um, you can tell he's living that there's backstory there. That either for you know for whatever reason, I mean, I, I got the feeling that Sean Bean went into the role. It's very very two dimensional. You know, the guy we the guy kills everybody. We don't know why. We know that he doesn't give a fuck, whatever, and that's pretty much it. But with Rutger Hauer, I got the sense that there was more to this, that there was more that, that there was a, a huge, rich backstory to this guy that we just weren't aware of, and that made him scarier because it made him more real. He wasn't just this monster that popped up and just started slaughtering everybody out of nowhere. Like he appeared in the, appeared in the middle of the road, and now I'm going to kill everyone. Um, with Rutger Hauer, it was like, man, he's been doing this a minute. This is what he does, and you know, there's just part of his. Are you are uh, you comparing Sean Bean's acting in this movie to Kristen Stewart? Maybe, <laughs> maybe I am. Well, I mean, it is kind of a two dimensional role. Guy stands in road, uh, you know, shows up and then just murders everyone. It's pretty much. It. <laughs> no, I, I get really it. And you, you phrase it right because I was like, there's something about Roger Howard that I just like better. And I like how you phrase that, that there's just – there seems like there's more backstory that the film doesn't get into, but he's seen more than it's what we're actually showing in the film. Yes, yeah. it's Roger it's Howard's eyes. It's how he emotes to the camera. It's how he emotes to the audience where the, you can really see all the th- – you can, you can just imagine all the things going on in his head. Whereas with Sean Bean, it was just it, it, he doesn't need to be that deep, but it's fun making him that deep, right? Okay, because yeah. he's decidedly human. He's human, and he's scary because he's like really fucking dangerous. And I think Rutger Howard just kind of sells it because Rutger Howard had he had the fucking crazy eyes, man. He was Roy Batty, you know, Blade Runner. <laughs> he was I mean, he came it. away. He came a long way from you know that movie to like being Ned Stark. Yes. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> definitely the, like. I was going to, um, let's see, P.C. Tony, I don't think he shouldn't have died. I, th- I just think he should have shot the guy with a shotgun first. Oh, what was he? Um, let's see, Jessica G. Uh, Weekend Horror, wasn't the remake of The Hitcher the one where the guy is tied up between a rig and a truck? Yes, it actually happened yes. in both films. And that was a big epic scene um, where the, uh, only in the, uh, yeah, where Sophia Bush is up in the truck and he's like, you either kill me, but then, of course, the cops will kill her. Or... I let go of the. Uh, I, I put this thing in drive and I kill your boyfriend. So make the choice. Yeah, so, and it was. I remember it was switched because in the original it was the girl that was tied up at the end. Instead yes, of the yeah, the original one. Yeah. So switching it up a little bit, and it works. <laughs> it works either way. And I liked putting the. I liked putting Sophia Bush's character into that role, and she's an extremely talented uh, actress. And I, I know that uh, she had some difficulties when she was on One Tree Hill, and I thought, and it, it almost kind of derailed her. But I think she's found her footing now. But I mean, she does have range, and I and I like her work in this. And I liked putting the uh, giving her the stronger of the two roles. I liked, uh, you know, 
I thought that was forward thinking and it was enough of a switch to still keep the, the story interesting when Sean Bean was you know, this, this crazy fucking killer, but he was not as engaging. But putting Sophia, B, Sophia Bush in the driver's seat as the protagonist, as really the hero of the piece, I thought was was definitely engaging, especially in a film like this. You don't often get to see that. So it was good forward thinking on the director's behalf. Yeah. It was something. <laughs> well, I mean, which, okay, so Sean Bean, and of course Sean Bean dies in every fucking thing that he does. Because um, that's what Sean <laughs> yeah. Bean does. Sean Bean, Sean Bean. If Sean Bean's not getting killed, it's it's not a, it's not a good movie. But uh, <laughs> exactly, he dies never single Especially, you know, I think what was, what was his best death? Uh, but this one, he this one, he just gets shot in the head with a shotgun. Obviously, Game of Thrones, he gets beheaded. Um, I've seen. I think when he was drawn and quartered, in that I, I can't remember the name of the period piece. Uh, uh, it was a. Uh, it was like a. It was like a seventeen hundreds set movie. But he, I think, uh, where he he he, get, he gets the plague. And he winds up getting drawn and quartered for whatever. So the, the horses rip him apart. I think that was pretty nice. bad. I mean, that's a pretty gnarly death. <laughs> that's a pretty gnarly death. He, yes, he and Jessica G. He dies in equilibrium as well. Yes. So, <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, uh, just not sure how much longer. Uh, uh, poor PhD Tony. He has gone four weeks without giving Phil Bell fellatio. <laughs> Phil Bell and PhD Tony do collaborative work quite a bit, but they haven't had a video in a while. Um, and PC Tony says, not sure how much longer I can hold out here. You know, it, it's tough. It's tough being away from your loved ones. Um, <laughs> Man Devil says, another good Hitcher story has this quote. Thanks for the ride, lady. Yes, Creepshow 2. Creepshow 2 was a good hitchhiker one. Thanks for the ride, lady. <laughs> um, no, P- I, uh, Jessica, you know, I, I love Sean Bean as well. And I think he's, I mean, uh, he sold me with Boromir. You know, his whole, you know, that that was a fucking paladin right there. Boromir was badass. And I love that scene, you know, he's holding up the ring, you know. And just, well, yeah. I thought he was fantastic. And he got to go out like a badass, you know, like like nine fucking Uruk arrows, arrows in him. And he's still, like, <laughs> laying people down. It's sweet. He's like, fuck you guys. Yes. And Sean Bean. Uh, yeah, Sean Bean actually didn't die in either of the Silent Hill films. So in the in the the first one because he was you know everyone else was dead but he he got to, he got to stay alive and then of course in the sequel he was in there for like ten minutes as well and just you know kind of fade that was oh god I fucking hate that fucking movie yeah that really uh... <laughs> he Tony he gets shot by Batman in Equilibrium yes he did he got <laughs> shot by Batman in Equilibrium but in, but in this particular one it has to be studied we ha- we have to acknowledge. The sheer fucking absurdity of Sean Bean's character in this movie, because in the in the Rutger Hauer one, it, uh, I could believe that. I could believe what was going on. He was a psychopath. He targeted this guy and his girl. That was the whole intention. Yeah, you know, yeah. You know, that, that's all it was. It was just a, this drifting psycho that had targeted these people. But in this one, it is so fucking extraordinary <laughs> because he lays waste to a fucking police station. And the convoy, the convoy scene is the best, I think, because he, because he, there's cop cars, you know. And Alex, you know cars, Eugene, you know cars. Mm-hmm. Cop cars have cop kits. They're designed for high performance. You got a fucking A star in the sky ch- chasing after this, this, you know, this, uh, this one car with 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 our heroes in it. And this guy rolls up in a late model Trans Am and lays waste to everyone. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, if it was built right, it would. But, you know. 
But we you thinking like him taking out the police station, all of a sudden he's a terminator. He became the terminator. <laughs> and then he goes Mad Max style. <laughs> I mean, I that's the one thing and that's what makes this movie fun. It it makes it ridiculous fun. And then of course, you know, he, he gets a re- he gets caught, he gets arrested. And Neil McDonald's and they're being like the you know the the badass because Neil McDonald's always a hard ass. You know he was I think I first caught him in the movie Ravenous, and he was you know hardcore in that one. So yeah, would have been a good one to catch him in first for sure. And then of course uh, Sean B of the whole like you know breaks his thumb, doesn't even flinch when he does it, whatever, and then escapes. Shit, you know how you kill somebody with handcuffs? Fucking crazy. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's it, it's a wild little film, and I think. Some a little bit over the top. Uh, it kind of stretches credulity with you know the the guy with the the forty five taking out the A star helicopter. I don't see that happening on a regular <laughs> on just the average day. But uh, but it's 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 crazy. It's crazy silly. Yeah, you don't get away from a helicopter, dude. Like it's just there's no way. Unless <laughs> you Grand Theft Auto, you can't just be like up down up down A B left right and have fucking grenade launcher on you. Unless, of course, you know, like you're driving and he's doing like fucking you know, like 50 miles an hour and he aims out the window behind him <laughs> and takes out the pilot with a few shots. And it was like, damn. I mean, <sighs> velocity turn, you know, just two nine inch nails. No, no, no less. <laughs> hey, if you're going to shoot down a fucking helicopter, it better be the nine inch nails. It's, it's like it might as well be the nine inch nails. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but anyways yeah this movie was fun and it was i mean it wasn't too deep and i think i liked it because it was just kind of like a was just like okay here's the point you know you know chase is gonna happen all right cool everything that scene of the fucking hotel which he's like you're making me horny he's like i'm fucking horny too (laughs) (laughs) i don't know about you man but i fucking laughed when he said that shit because he's like feeling up and she's like oh you're making me horny and he whips around i'm fucking horny too (laughs) like holy shit because who fucking talks like that (laughs) fucking horny too (laughs) sean bean was fucking he did as sean bean dgaf did not give a Fuck in that film, but you know, just fucking great. He was he was hilarious. It was good. Feels good, don't it? I don't feel a thing. Pow! Right in the fucking head. Uh, uh, anyways, so talking about this one, talking about the original, I'd like to ask the audience if you've seen the original and this one, which one did you like better? I like uh, I like the take that uh, JL had about it. You know, the first one was more in depth. The character was more in depth, and then I liked this one because it was it was fun. It was quick. You know, it wasn't wasn't too much to focus on. Nothing was really left open except with the exception of the uh, shooting the fucking helicopter out of the sky. Because you're right, that's totally absurd. But, <laughs> I think yeah. I think ultimately the objective was they were is that they were trying to do it. It seems so much like the focus was they were trying to outdo the original or do it in a different way and really trying to say, yeah, it's a remake, but they're really trying to separate themselves. And sometimes when trying to do that, you end up going a little too far. But if you don't go far enough, the people just say, oh, it was just a hackneyed rehash of the original. Why even mess with it? So at right. least at least they did something a little bit different and tried to have fun with it. Uh, PhD- well, like, uh-huh, I was just going to say, PhD Tony uh, said, I have a theory that remakes good films shouldn't happen except to upgrade the effects. Uh, I can I can agree with that because you can really fuck up a good movie, especially if it's an older movie. Uh, but if you can do it well and you're upgrading the effects, I think is what they were trying to do in this one. 
Um, I, I mean, I'd say go for it. Uh, Especially I, I, stories like this, like something that's not like you don't have to follow some crazy like backstory or anything. Like it's just here's the movie. Can you do it better? Yeah. See, Jessica G also prefers the original. Um, oh, NANA is joined. Hey, good to see you. Good to see you. Uh, let's see. Uh, Dark Steve has not seen them. Well, definitely check them out. I think that you will dig them. Check out the original first, then watch the remake. Yeah. I think, no, you, I think yeah, definitely check out the Rutger Hauer one. And Gavlar, the Hand of Zod, good to see you, one of our great patrons. Uh, original, Rutger Hauer was a beast. And yes, he was a fucking beast. <laughs> he was a beast. He was a monster. And Jessica G says, yes, like the Point Break remake. Absolutely awful. It's just un-fucking necessary. That was unwatchable. <laughs> Jessica G says, if Rutger Hauer didn't pass, I think he could have played the spot-on performance of Trump. Rutger Hauer is Trump. Fuck, yeah, you're right. Dude, I, I can think see it. it. I think. It, oh, yo, she brings it up, but this is interesting. Have you guys seen uh, Johnny Depp playing Trump? No, <laughs> no. He did. A, he did. He did a. He, he literally did a film um, called uh, "The Art of the Deal: The Movie" for Funny or Die. No shit. And he's actually he's really fucking good. It's creepy. He's a fantastic character actor. It's creepy how good it is. How, how good Johnny Depp as Donald Trump. It was fucking weird. So I recently found out about that. But yeah, if you check out funnierdie.com, you can look, or just look up The Art of the Deal, the movie. It's so fucking <laughs> silly. But he looks he looks great, and, he, and, he, and it's fantastic. It's really, really good. Oh, oh man. So oh, Eugene... Wow. I was gonna say let's do something. Let's do something fucking B level here. <laughs> Hang on, making sure I got the order of the deal saved up. Okay. Yes. yes. <laughs> pull that up. Pull that up in another window. <laughs> <laughs> that way, I go ahead and get that saved for uh, afterwards. All right. So next we got. I do love some good B films. We have Blood Beach, released January twenty third, nineteen eighty one. It was directed by Jeffrey Bloom, and it stars David Huffman, uh, Marina, Marina Hill, Burt Young, and John Saxon. And so cool. <laughs> so cool. But and basically, you have this creature underground that likes to go and swallow people. Almost, tremors. yeah, tremor. Think of <laughs> if Jaws meets Tremors. No, that is weird. That was the fucking tagline. It was like, uh, uh, what was the? Uh, I've got to, I've got to pull it up right here. It was like, um, just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water, you can't get to it. Oh my god! Oh man! I mean, it, god, I fucking love the eighties. It's because it's like it's like Jaws minus the good directing, the special effects, and iconic characters, and good cinematography, and. Everything that makes Joss good. <laughs> and it was like, well, we can't afford a shark. But the we can't fire. afford a hole in the hole in we the sand. Afford, we can afford a hole in the ground. <laughs> you know, so earlier, uh, Jessica G said that this oh, well, this sounds like a movie that was made for like 200 bucks. And actually, it was made for like 70 grand, um, I think, was the budget on this thing. And let me see here. Uh, yeah, I think the budget was... Like, where the 70 grand went? <laughs> where, did, where, did, where, did, where did that money go exactly? 
because we can afford a hole in the ground. I'm just looking at the fucking poster. I can poster. just imagine him paying like three little kids on the beach, like, "Hey, go dig this fucking hole and give me fifty bucks." The, uh, the the poster is iconic. It's got the chick in the bikini, and she's like being swallowed up into the sand. That actually looks kind of interesting. It's like the five people believed to have drowned here never even made it past the sand. <laughs> just fucking this, this great '80s fucking schlock is just, um, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, it, exactly that. It's so, no, it's so sad because this was the only film directed by Jeff. By I think this was, um, I, I think this was the end of the the beginning of the end of Jeffrey Bloom's career. Is that because uh, Jeffrey Bloom actually had a couple of good ones under his belt? He actually directed Flowers in the Attic and he directed Nightmares, um, and then he directed this, and then his career kind of kind of went, which is such a shame. And I think. Moreover, because the film did not live up to the hype. So you think about it. You look at that poster. You look at that iconic poster of the chick in the bikini. She's being swallowed up by the sand. She's like, oh, my God. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going. The, the name of the thing is Blood Beach. It came out in 1981, which is like the season of like slashers and, and horror movies and shit like that. So 1981, you're already sitting. You know, uh, Friday, uh, Friday the 13th is already hit theaters. The burning is, is, is already out. Um, I mean – and then, of course, uh, I think uh, there was a, a spate of other slasher films and other uh, other new stylized horror films. And then all of a sudden, Blood Beach is out here. So it was marketed as something way better than I think it actually was, and it resulted in a lot of disappointment uh, when this when this film actually hit. Let me see, Amanda says we. I have a horror movie on my channel. I made for twenty dollars in two hours for a local film contest. We didn't win. <laughs> and sometimes you don't. That, 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 that does happen. But yeah, and it was just, um, yes, uh, Blood Beach has Polly from Rocky. It does. The same thing was, oh, yeah, the, yeah, the, the, the shame thing, the, the shame of it was, for the, for the title, like Blood Beach, the film had no fucking gore in it. Yeah, no. it, had, it had, what was the moment where that one chick was laying down and so she like starts to get pulled, and they pull her out, and she has like some blood on her legs. It wasn't extreme, yeah, yeah. It wasn't I mean, extreme. Was and you think with a title like that, and I think um, if that was its title, it wasn't known by anything else. But it's just no. kind of like it, I guess it would. Uh, it, it just she's right. It looks like such a turd. <laughs> it's like this is, this is it. It kind of was. The problem is that you you actually had some decent work being done here. You had some. Some some decently talented actors. It what it could have been a, a well crafted film. The problem was, I don't think people either didn't listen to studio uh, suggestions, or there were probably they could, or maybe they had no money. They simply had no money to shoot with an actual to shoot with the actual monster. To actually make something really really solid because all we get is the the uh, very much like Jaws. I think they were. It, he was trying to play off the Jaws themes, like what you don't see is scarier than what you actually see. What is under the sand? It's like that. But and then, of course, when it was finally revealed, the like fucking flytrap worm thing. You know, <laughs> I, I don't even know how to fucking describe that thing. If you want to see a bunch of them while the credits are rolling, there's like a bunch of them all over the place. But... Yeah, because they end up blowing it up, and then there's like, oh, but but worms can regenerate. Dun dun dun! And there's like little holes all over the place. Oh my um, god! But yeah, I think the film. I think the film. And honestly, if the marketing had been had been honest, I don't think the film would have done what it did. No, and that's a huge part of it. Is like you got Blood Beach, and it's like, yo, come see this crazy movie. And like you said, there's like no gore, so like it didn't. 
nothing happened with it. And I, I want to, where did you get the, the number 70 grand? Cause the stuff that I was pulling up, they had $2 million on this. Was it 2 million? Yeah. It was like a $2 million budget, which is absolutely fucking disappointing because like you said, the eighties, the, Oh, the, wait a uh, second. Well, Eugene, what is it we say about movies budgets? Oh uh, yeah. So you have, you have <laughs> the, what you actually spend on a film and then what is reported. So it could have they could have reported two million dollars and actually spent seventy thousand on it. It happens all the time. So it's just a money grab. Well, yeah. The, the, re- the reason you say that is is because, for example, let's say you would factor in how much it costs to rent the beach out, and then if they know somebody got the beach for free, you still put that cost in your actual overall budget as your value of your film. So they, okay. they got the say they got the beach for free, but they would have paid a thousand dollars a day on it. And they should it's, shop for 30 They just roll in and pay the, the $5 entry fee to the beach. <laughs> no, <it's it. laughs> so that's why sometimes budgets are like, they'll come across as $2 million because it's more respectable to say, I directed a $2 million film than I directed a $70,000 film. That's why. Right. So, well, well I don't know. It obviously didn't go into marketing or they were trying to pass it off as something in a different <laughs> way. But it's quite possible they knew that they had a pretty, a pretty shit film on their hands and try to you know, get what they can on opening night. You know, they, they see, people see the posters, people see the trailers. It looks like a, a decent thriller in the vein of like Jaws and uh, and other, you know, like hidden killer films. And of course it's on the beach. So what is it? Is it a monster? And, you know, cause I think um, Humanoids from the Deep was somewhere around this time as well. I can't remember specifically. Actually it might've oh, been later. God. But, you know, you know, you never know. So I can see what they try to market a certain way, try because they knew they had a shit film and they need to make as much money as they can off of, off the opening. And, you know, because it'll plummet shortly after that, which was a shame. And because it, it reminded, because there was, there was a, re, not, well, it wasn't really a remake. Uh, Blood Beach? 20, no, you have 20, and I think in 2015, they came out with this. The uh, the, the Sand is what it yeah. was? Yeah. Uh, sand. Yeah. yeah. The Sand. With, with Jamie Kennedy. Of all yeah, people, yeah. and that one was was actually solid. That one was actually really good. It had really talented actors, well shot, well crafted. The thing that killed that was bad special effects. That the because that thing was like this kind of um, um amoeba fucking thing with the, with the like little tentacles that would come up and grab people, like you know, go into your skin and drag you down. It was pretty fucked. See, up. that one was gory. That one was extremely gory, especially yeah. with, the, with the guy with the guy who tried to hide in the the trash can, the garbage can, in the garbage <laughs> that can. Was bad. That was brutal as fuck. And <laughs> I guess I don't know. With two Eugene, with two million dollars, we could do a, a scary you know beach movie, couldn't we? Oh yeah, with two million dollars, like fuck yeah, we could on it. Because the thing is, what the Blood Beach is missing is it misses the payoff. You need in a movie, you need memorable kills. And the payoff is the creature at the very end, be it like, say, Jaws. Yeah, you don't really see the shark that much in the very beginning, but then when the shark shows up, it shows up and makes a huge difference. Or even Tremors, because I love love Tremors, one of my favorite films. And the same thing, you see people getting sucked under and stuff like that, but what makes that film is you get some iconic characters that are great, you root for them, and then you get a good creature at the very end. Yeah, I think it was probably the editing. The editing on this, it, it, it to me, it felt slow. It it tried was trying to be like a slow burn, and I was just like, it was it was too plotting and meandering. Um, the, the action needed to be ramped up a little bit. Need a little uh, the 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 editing should have been tighter. It should have been uh, the shots should have been a bit more dynamic, not as static as they did. Maybe they just didn't have the equipment. I don't I don't know. 
but there was a lot of missteps that I think was the, it resulted in you know this director's you know failure to kind of flourish as a director. Um, I'd heard things about how he kind of liked to do things on his own. He had his own vision. He liked to run his own, kind of like you know run his own race. But in Hollywood, it doesn't really work out all the time. You kind of you fuck the system and yeah. Didn't take any advice from anybody like ever. Yeah. Like it's kind of why he burned out so fast. Was he never followed? <laughs> like if you're directing movies just for fun, that's one thing. But if you're like trying to make Hollywood movies, there's some things that you have to follow. Like there's if you want to make any money or you want to make it in that business, and like you know. It, but nowadays he'd be like great for like you know horror, uh, like film festival circuits. Yes, that'd be you know. But but you can't do that kind of stuff in Hollywood, and it did not help him out at all. Yeah, this would have worked well as a short film, I think. Yeah, yeah no, it was good. I good short film. Worked well, absolutely yeah. as a short film. But I mean, going into it, because I've I've met a lot of filmmakers, um, Indian Dallas, that they like to do everything. They want. I saw a posting like yesterday. Somebody's like, I want to write it, produce it, direct it, star in it, edit it, and I can. Damn, you got that kind of fucking time. What the I, fuck? I do you think it's like I don't know, but every single film I've seen from filmmakers that are like that are terrible. Like, yeah. you know, because each of those jobs have such a strong skill set that takes decades to master, like being an editor or being a cinematographer, you don't, you, you can't. You just, you, you straight up can't. Something suffers where your acting performance is poor or you're watching yourself on camera and then you're getting bad camera settings and bad lighting and then the bad editing. Like, just, things fall through the cracks. That's why you trust your cinematographer to do what your cinematographer does and your editor to do what your editor does. Well, movies are art and to have this kind of art, you need to have different dynamics from different people and you need to have different thoughts in this. You need to have different roles. And yeah, you try to do it all by yourself. It's going to be mono. It's just going to be, you know, flat. Yeah. Jessica G says, I'm watching it as we speak. This movie is terrible. <laughs> it, yeah, it's, it is it, on YouTube. You can find it. It is really it's nice. In the, it's in the uh, live chat. There's a link in the live chat right now. They, they, they put it out I mean, they're watching, you can watch it for free because they're never going to make any money off of it. You might as well just throw it out there. Um, Man Devil. Tremors is a perfect movie. It, indeed, yes, it's a perfect yes, movie. Yes, it, I if, love Tremors. If you love you some uh, Kevin Bacon, it makes it that much better. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, uh, strong characters, great monsters, good buildup, fantastic editing. The setup was fantastic. The setup was great. You think it's one monster? No, no, it's just one big one. I was just like, I think it's, it must be thousands of them. Nope, just one big one. That's great shit. I mean, can you fly, motherfucker? I love that. The whole setup was, you know, I was just thinking, Stampede. Kevin's ba- no. Kevin Bacon. I really seem to enjoy the, making that movie. I thought he was great. But his it, it was also the chemistry between the actors. Him and Fred Ward worked f- so great off of one another. Oh, yeah. They, they played off each other. And I love, was it Reba McIntyre? Oh, I yes, Reba McIntyre. Uh, where they, they shoot the one where it comes in through the wall and they have a whole list I got to that just unloading on it. Fucking, so fucking middle, and, middle of nowhere survivalists. It's like the whole state of Texas just crammed into two people, and it's fucking amazing. It's so yes, PSG Tony, like Fred, I said, Fred Ward and Kevin Bacon, magnificent chemistry between those two. Um, Earl and Val. Earl and yeah, Val. Yeah, were, yeah, were yeah, yeah, Michael course, Gross and Reba. Yeah. Michael Gross and Reba McIntyre as the survivalists. <laughs> <laughs> that shit was fucking great. He busts up that elephant gun. It was like... <laughs> 
I don't even know what gauge those shells were. He just dropped <laughs> like eight inches long. He's so pissed too. He's like this motherfucker. <laughs> now he's like, damn it, I gotta break out the big one. <laughs> you Dude, come into I my mean, basement. <laughs> broke into the wrong goddamn rec room. <laughs> the, this, the, the image, I will always have it in my head, the image of Reba McIntyre with dual fucking Uzis. <laughs> just, you know, tearing this fucker up. It was some great shit. And of course, uh, yes, Egg Chen. Egg Chen was in it. Um, as the, uh, the uh, Walter is the guy who ran the store. The Fresh graboids, graboids. <laughs> but that is, hey, the, that, that's how you separate that. That is the, that right there is textbook how you make a film. And don't try to do don't try to do more than you're capable of. Monster in the sand. That's a pretty easy concept. Run with monster in the sand. Don't try to be, you know, Jaws. Just make a monster movie because you're not fucking Spielberg. You know. Right. Did uh did I see there was some sort of tremor new tremors? Is it a TV show or a remake or something? There was a series that ran for a little bit, and then uh, of course Michael Gross has has been like all the films. But I know in the most re- there was a recent one I think where they went. Like Shrieker Island, it was like Tremors Shrieker yeah, Island. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, oh, which I think, which I think may be the last in the franchise because I, I mean, I, I if you know what, if you know what happens at the end of it. No, I think I started watching that. Well, yeah, I mean, what you mean? That the old movies? No, no, no. This just oh. recently came out. No, yeah, no. I started it and I think I fell asleep or something. I, I remember <laughs> starting it. It might have been in the middle of the night, but I remember seeing it, and then I started it and fell. So I, they were running through the jungle or something, and then that's I passed out. So yeah, I think. Uh, oh yeah, because they were all set up like they were all ready for him and all set up, and it was like a group of people that was like they're out there looking for him. Um, yeah. Yes, Man Devil. The art of the shot when the monster crashes through the bunker wall should be a masterclass in tiny budget filmmaking. All she has one camera spin between the uh, between the uh, the monster itself between the miniature with the with the with the puppet and then the real life actors and the way they move between them uh, was fantastic. I thought it, it it was just excellently shot. All of it was so good. Um, and all you got to do and uh, uh, remember correctly to really get the effect of it, they put air bladders underneath the ground to inflate. Just and that's how they got the the earth effect when the earth was kind of going up and down like that. They just dug a hole, inserted a big ass bag, and just inflated it, and then that's how you got the splitting ground effect. It's like something really really simple, just simple yeah, stuff geez. like that. <laughs> find the find find the way to do your effect as easy as possible. Then you put your money into place where it needs to be, like in casting, um, in art art department, because the art department was so important on a film like that. Oh, yeah. But that's that is how you make something solid. Don't try to go above and beyond. Try to be something that you're not. So otherwise, you just like you said, uh, the director Bloom. He just burnt out. He should have been able because I saw his his second film, um, Jeffrey Bloom. His second film was Nightmares. It was a, it was a horror film anthology, and it was not bad. But a horror horror, horror uh, film anthology, an anthology of horror films, it's kind of hard to fuck up. But yeah, yeah. yeah. try to go beyond and beyond. I mean, it's, it's not surprisingly that he didn't. If he wants to buck tradition and so you got to play ball with the studio. You have to. If you don't, they're gonna you're, you're gonna get the reputation of someone that people don't want to work with. Especially so. when you're coming into the '80s and all these just incredible films that came out, you know, in that time yeah. period. Like, you really got to be you really got to be on top of it. Yeah, you really do. But yes, actually, man, uh, man, devil. We are full of little you know details like that, little fun shit about how they. Because one of the cool things that one of the things that we love so much here at Weekend Horror was how they pulled up. Because all we're all filmmakers as well, 
and the stuff that we can learn from when we watch it, you know, it, we watch, we have the kind of like, it's a double-edged sword being behind the camera as much as we have been being in front of the camera as well. We do see uh, how the sausage is made. And so interesting things like, you know, like nightmare on Elm street, you know, when Freddie went, you know, the scene when uh, Freddie Krueger comes to the wall and he's like above Nancy, he's like, Oh, and that, that, that literally was a sheet of spandex. And, and Robert Anglo would just pressed into it for a few seconds and then pressed out. That was it. And so seeing that audio, then you see how they how it came together after they fully cut it and then they color corrected it and put it on. That looks fantastic. It looks amazing. But then you realize that was pretty simple how they did it. And knowing stuff like that, it just as a filmmaker makes it really cool. And of course, it gives us ideas to use when we want to do shit ourselves. So Right, right. Absolutely. Hey, welcome, Charlie Welch. Apparently, there's an issue with the uh, the notifications going on. Apparently, this, yeah. I mean, if you may, you may need to uh, refresh the uh, the bell. May have to be. Um, I, that's what I've had to do. I've had to do for Team Skeptic. I've had to do for uh, the plot hole. I constantly, every few days, I got to go back and refresh the bell to make sure I get notifications. They've changed their privacy policy again, so now you got to go back and fucking. Oh, push you got to go back and reset it. Uh, so ridiculous! So freaking ridiculous! I saw I saw a meme earlier today that was a it was a bathroom, and it said we've updated our privacy policy, and all of the stalls <laughs> are made out of glass windows. Like, yeah, that makes that's, sense. That's fucking funny. <laughs> but all right, so. This is actually what I want to ask the audience, and this might be a pretty easy uh, question. But out of the two movies we've talked about, Blood Beach and The Sand, which one do you like better, Blood Beach or The Sand? And the sand, the, the, I mean, neither one of them are fantastic movies, but I thought The Sand was definitely better than Blood Beach. It, it knew what it was and knew what it was trying to be. And watching idiot teenagers get get shredded as they're being dragged into the ground. Fucking great. Fucking love it. Oh my god. You know what? You know why I like that movie? Because the the acting in it was actually pretty decent. Like the one girl, I can't remember her name when uh her like boyfriend or whatever was getting fucked up. She was like I mean like watch I was like, wow, she is genuinely like upset right now and it's kind of making me a little upset. Yeah, it, it was like, that was yeah. the surprising thing. It was well acted, well crafted, <laughs> well directed. Uh, the cinematography was good. The action scenes were good, and the and the kills were solid. Yeah. And then, of course, the monster. Unfortunately, the monster is just kind of this really sad CGI. It's <laughs> it was kind of like and it's like if they kept if they actually kept it something practical at the very end, like it, it would yeah. have nailed it. But the, the thing is, the same is at least way more entertaining. I mean, Blood Beach was. Was, you can't was, have a movie with a chick in a fucking bikini, like getting pulled into a hole, and then you know, show this. And like, then give the not, shit that we got. Yes, come on, man. Definitely, miss it. I would have been pissed. I did. I would have been. I would have been prom night pissed. <laughs> oh, no, 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 uh, no! I would have been April Fool's Day pissed. I, I would have been April, April Fool's. Fool's. Okay, yeah. I been April Fool's Day pissed. Yes, my bad, my bad. Prom night was fantastic. Jamie Lee Curtis is amazing. I was like, that, that's but, a hot take, man. Yeah, sorry about that, but that would be an unpopular opinion uh, to Johnny O. But uh, yeah, I would have been April Fool's Day pissed. Uh, oh, it was all fake. Uh, fuck you. <laughs> uh, no, God, I was just trying to remember. I just watched a, a holiday movie. Because we were talking about holiday movies around Christmas. And there was this movie about this little kid that was being babysat by this girl. It's on Netflix. Um, and then it, the kid, like, turns murderous. And it was terrible, but it was also pretty okay. I can't remember the name of it. I'll, I'll come back. Okay, it was along the lines of the shitty acting, though. Or the uh, shitty 
movies. Let's see. Uh, see, Charlie Wells says, oh, so it sounds like they're talking about Roland Emmerich. So like this, I remember watching Big Trouble Little China. Jessica G says, I remember watching Big Trouble Little China in a drive-in theater in the Philippines when it came out back-to-back with Making Contact. Actually, that, that would be an awesome doubleheader. header. Yeah, Man Devil says the Langoliers is what you get when you aim above your budget. It certainly is. Although um, uh, it, it, I keep, I, whenever I see him, I think Balky. Um, scampering, scampering, that that guy, the uh, the bad guy in it, who winds up stabbing a little girl and shit. Uh, God, I can't remember his name. It's on the tip of my tongue. But anyway, um, yes, Charlie Welch, no notification is really fucking annoying. I do it. You just got to refresh it. Apparently, when they updated YouTube, you got to uh, redo the bell. Let's see. Uh, Peach Tony says, "I will show it to you." Uh, Jessica G says, "I will show it to you sometime." It's fantastic. It was one of Roland Emmerich's few good films. I like Roland Emmerich stuff. I mean, obviously, Thirteenth uh, Floor is my favorite of his. Um, I like half his stuff. My favorite still Independence Day, just because he has the greatest movie speech of all time. Oh yeah, Bill uh, Bill Pullman. Fuck yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, dude, I would fly an F eighteen and go to war with him any day. <laughs> Man Devil says, I even liked the sequel. I mean, what did people expect? It was silly alien shit. This is true. I think people had way too many expectations for, for ID four two and or what would what was it what was it called? Um it wasn't Independence Day two. Uh, it was Resurgence. Resurgence, yeah, yeah. For, for Independence Day Resurgence. I don't think I think people got way too nostalgic about the original with Will Smith, you know, boom, welcome to Earth. Uh <laughs> I mean I think people got really nostalgic, and then when it didn't hit that button correctly, I mean, he's right. Mandevil's right. It was silly alien shit. I think people expected way too much from it. Uh, yeah. PG Tony, and he wrote Stargate. Yep, yes, he did write Stargate. This yeah, is he true. did do Stargate. I will say, I will say this about Independence. I just go into the second one just for a second. It pisses me off because of the fact that it has a plot idea of a better movie inside of it when they go to the African country, and they're like, "Yeah, you didn't think they all were killed when the ships went down, and we had to go hunt them." I want to see that movie. I originally thought it was going to be about the ground war. That it was going to be about the cleanup and how the yeah. aliens would like ad- would adapt to fighting us on the. Uh, I thought it was going to be that, but they, I guess they went a different way. Yeah. Uh, Bronson Pinchot, yes, thank you. The uh, the plot hole. I could not remember his name. Um, there, there, there was that good, he played Balky on that freaking show. Uh, uh, where he was roommates with the dude, and I can't remember that one either. But it was a comedy. Uh, let me see. The movie was called Better Watch Out. Um, and go back to Stargate real quick. I just started Stargate for the first time ever. I never saw Stargate SG One ever. <gasps> did you and see the first? Started. Did you see the first film? Kurt Russell. Yeah, Ace yeah. I, I saw, okay. Yeah, I saw the, the film. I never watched Stargate SG One though. I just started it. Can I just? Can I just say I'm stuck? Like I've got like it's like nostalgic TV. It's like I'm sitting in front of the TV on a day off of school. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. it's I've seen SG One, Atlantis, and Universe. Yeah, I'm probably going to binge yeah. all of that. Jeff Roberts, thank you. Perfect Strangers was that show. So, yes, thank you very much. God, I can't, I can't remember com- – I can't, I can only remember horror. I cannot remember comedy for shit these days. I try to remember anything in another genre. I have obviously pushed it out in preparation and research for a week in horror. So it's like, it's like fucking gone. <laughs> and yes, yes, Bronson, yes, Bronson Pinchot. Uh, Gabler Hand is odd. Bronson Pinchot was also in True Romance. Perfect strength. Yes, thank you, plot hole. All right, so all right. I feel like I feel like at this point we're stalling because we have one we more movie to talk about, and we're just we like, are we're, are trying to avoid it. 
and by talking about as many other movies as possible. But I, about so this, fucking strangers okay, so this, this is going to be so fucking, this is going to be so fucking good because I've been waiting for you guys to get, to get your opinion on this one. So I had, I want to preface this. I had the good fortune when I was doing press for, uh, for a website called Cinelinks. At the time it was called the movie pool, but now they're, they're Cinelinks.com. When I was doing press for them, and doing reviews, I was the only one who handled uh, horror, horror, and whatever. I went to all the conventions, and because I was the only one that could that could do it, Every, everyone else was like, "Oh, we don't like horror," but I do, so I got to do those things. I got to screen this movie uh, back in two thousand, uh, back in two thousand, Texas Frightmare Weekend, back in two thousand eleven. So, uh, and this movie like floored me. While now, when I screened it, it actually screened with the prequel, with the first one uh, that came before it. So I was like, okay, sweet. Um, so I got to see the first one, then I got to see the sequel. And so the movie that I'm talking about uh, released uh, January 23rd. So it was 2010 that I actually watched it. But January 23rd, 2011, uh, The Woman. So directed by Lucky McKee, uh, written by Lucky McKee, based, uh, see, starring Pollyanna McIntosh, Angela Bettis, Sean Bridgers, Lauren Ashley Carter, Carly Baker, Zach Rand, and Shyla Molusen. The film centers around a primitive woman who is picked up by this family, or actually by the by the father, uh, by the father, and he brings him, brings her home. He captures her in the woods, brings her home, and then attempts to civilize her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's putting it lightly. Is the best way that I can put this. Um. Yeah. Now, I've, Please note, though, he's a lawyer. I fucking hate lawyers. Sorry, <laughs> if we got any lawyer So uh, the, the the big question when I when I when I knew we were finally going to hit this movie, the big question was: Were were my co-hosts going to be able to stomach it? That's I was just gonna I was just gonna say that you wrote in the script like, can you stomach it? And I'm going into this thinking it's going to be like it's not the gore. Because there's not like a whole lot of gore. It's not, you know, it's not things that you would be normally, you know, put, or put off by, if you will. But the it's it's it hits. Uh, I don't even know what to say about this movie, Jail. You, you stumped me on this one. Yeah, because it's it's more it it hits certain triggers. Yeah, it's uh, triggering. That's that's the one. Yeah, because, I mean, seeing people getting, like, ripped apart and all this other kind of stuff, it's like, it's whatever. But it's, like, the way it's the way it sets it up, um, and kids are not safe in this film. There's a... Nope. No, there's a couple of... Gnarly, there's abuse. It, there's yeah. abuse going on, and it's, it's very triggering. Um, it could be triggering to a very large group of people, and I think that's why this movie, like, okay, because this was based on a book. Um, doing some research into it. I guess the book is rough too, but yeah, it, the, the kids and the, uh, I don't know. I, I don't even know what to touch on this because it's like, if, if you haven't seen it, it's definitely, if you're into horror movies like we are, this is something you need to go watch because it'll fuck you up a little bit. So, so let me get this. This was the first time you guys have seen this. I've actually, I've seen it a couple of times. There was a sequel that came out called Darlin', which came out, uh, which Pollyanna McIntosh actually directed that, and she reprised her, her character as the woman in that one as well. Um, but uh, I got it. So you guys are watching this for the very first time. When I watched this, I was left speechless by the end of it. My chair is sinking. See you. I'm going to fix it. Sorry. Hey, I can do that too, right? 
<laughs> it's just all of a sudden it started going down. So I was left speechless in the theater. I, I it was it was hard for me to reconcile the film you know, that, that I just watched. I had to wait until I could see it again to where I could really get a good grasp on it. Uh, so you guys, one at a time. So we'll go with Eugene. Eugene, you give it to me first. What what hit you? Because this this film will hit you like a fucking truck. What hit you when you first watched this film? It's the idea of we come across as we want to be civilized. And when they talk about, oh, can we, can we keep her? And they really de- dehumanize her. But it's what we're willing to do to force somebody to assimilate was kind of like a, no, we're better. We're going to show you why. And it comes it comes brutal. And the thing is, with me, when it comes to horror films, there's always kids mm-hmm. on it. And, like, because even in most horror films you see, kids are usually awful in it. Or if they die, they die, like, off screen or something like that. Or it's real quick or something. And I don't want to give too, I don't want to give too much away about the ending of it. But that what like a machete thing that she's holding to uh, it, was, it, was a, it was a lawnmower blade or yeah, lawnmower blade i'm sorry lawnmower blade <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and alex okay so it hits me in a way like okay i've got kids and like there's one thing that got me was when what was the kid's name brian yeah uh, goes to school and the, the son yeah. Yeah. And goes to school and uh, you know, whatever happens with that one girl and he puts gum in her hair, like the the way that the kids take after the the, the negative parts of the father really hit me just like, man, I really gotta watch what I'm doing in front of my kids. Like I hope they don't go act like me because they're gonna get in <laughs> fucking trouble. But yeah. you know, it's just it was and like Eugene was saying, the idea that like I, there was so much of it. It was the, the trying to force somebody to be a certain way. The abuse that there's, you know, this male supremacy that's being like, I, I've never even used the word toxic masculinity before, but it's like the way that somebody thinks that they can change somebody. Like this person was raised by fucking wolves, like in a cannibalistic tribe. Like, and then this man is like, I am superior, like bow down to me. And I, it was just so much of it that was just like, and the kids, it's the kids, man. Like, yeah, yeah, it's it's it's, it's a, it's a that was there were a few things a few things to So yeah, for those who haven't seen it, the the uh, the woman is a sequel to a film called Offspring, and it centers around a group of cannibal uh, this like kind of like tribe of primitive cannibalistic humans that operates up and down that pretty much migrate up and down the the northeastern uh, seaboard, hiding in the caves along the coast foraging out into the into the uh, dense forests in order to look for food or whatever and occasionally uh, you know track down people to eat and then drive but also to grab you know women for uh, to do you know give birth as you know um, I, there's a term that I'm, that I'm missing right here but uh, they would steal women for birthing and kill guy kill men and eat them and shit like that or or they would enslave them and use them to propagate uh, propagate the tribe Um. It's hard fucking good. The, the the film Offspring was hardcore in its gore because it's just the depiction of, you know, can, it was a extreme like cannibal shit going on in that one. But in this one, it was way more psychological. And in the 
the depiction of the character of Chris Cleek, which is uh, Sean Bridger's character, um, comes off as one way as charming and polite and upfront. And then, of course, we realize he is anything but that. And there were a few scenes. Obviously, you have the scene when she bites his ring finger off. Uh, like it just like, and then eats his finger and spits out his wedding ring. That <laughs> that was pretty. That was pretty <laughs> hard. Yeah. But there were moments that uh, obviously, you know, the the rape scenes are rough. The torture scenes are really rough, especially when the kid Brian can we, is torturing can we her. Talk about one of those rape scenes real quick. That Which, was, uh, I think. Uh huh. Okay, so when he's when the kid when uh, Brian is like watching uh, the dad, yeah, do the thing. Okay, there was a point in that movie where the same candle that was in the daughter's room is in that room. Yeah. Um, and that was like, oh, okay. It's, okay. It's, yeah, it's intentional. Yeah. 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 A, so, I mean, uh, it's clearly intentional. And that at that start, that's where I was like, I was starting to get kind of sick because it was like, this is now getting to a point where it's like, yeah, because the other yeah. fucking kill everybody. It like, took everybody. Yeah. And, but, but, <laughs> and, and of course, I think, uh, when he when he hits her because obviously she, she's out there in the fucking woods and she is just filthy and disgusting she you know she's feral um when he cleans her with the power washer oh my god oh. what about when he cleans her with the boiling fucking water yeah when he tries doing yeah. that to get her clean but it, well when that when that really doesn't work he right. hits her with the power washer to try and clean her up and then of course um it, it, the one that got me the, the gut punch to me was there it was this it was a simple scene you know I think he, he's brushing his teeth and he's having a conversation with Angela Bettis. Angela Bettis was in another Lucky McKee film. She was in May, for those who may remember that. It was her and Jer- Jeremy Sisto, some others. Yeah, where she was trying to construct her best friend out of body parts. Uh, <laughs> but uh, she's been some fucked up shit, huh? Yeah, she, yeah she's, she's a dark little <laughs> actress. And so she's having a conversation in their bedroom and he's brushing his teeth like it's ever like that. And she's just talking to him as normal. And she suggests something. And I can't remember specifically what she suggested. And it was nothing extreme. It was like she just makes a suggestion. And he's like, thanks. And then he just pops her in the face. Just yeah. without, without blinking. Just like, yeah. bam. Like, you just know, as, as, much, as, as much as he would just pat her on the head. And but yeah, that, but he also that, like, after, that shocked the fuck out of me. After Brian goes in and gets busted by his sister, you know, doing, fuck, it's so gross to even say abusing the woman and yep. then he brushes it off like oh that's that's boys for you or whatever that's yeah like boys being important. boys yep yeah and it's like oh fuck man this, the, this guy needs to go the this the scary shit behind oh. it obviously i mean and then of course it's a slow burn and a terrifyingly a terrifying slow burn as you begin to realize the dysfunction behind the family the acting is fucking phenomenal um everyone was on point in this film even even down to the teacher um, and I've seen I've seen her in other stuff uh, where she she pretty much uh, all the stuff that she's worked in before she's pretty much just playing you know like ditzy sexy characters because you know you can see how she can play that but in this one everyone was on point Chris Bridgers people would remember him from uh, Deadwood uh, he was one of, he was one of Al Swearingen's uh, goons in Deadwood um, Angela Bettis was on point Pollyanna McIntosh next fucking level is the woman. And then, of course, it culminates in that uh, that finale with where we get to meet Socket, uh, the other daughter. Yep. And just it just, but wow, just going going back into it, just remembering all this, that was fucked up. Um, we see that it, that the the nature of him trying to turn people into things, like turn the feral woman civilized, turn one of his other daughters into a dog. It's yeah. 
it's really fucked up. But um, the themes in this film are wildly deep, way deeper than you would anticipate. Get into uh... see the ending is really hard not to spoil because after everything goes down, it's super intense. I mean, I, I kind of cheered for everything, but then you get to the very, very end, and it was like, well, fuck. Like, now, I don't even know where to go. Like, am I happy? <laughs> am I sad? Like, you, you know, the the one the one Peggy, like, you know, it was like, but did she need to stick around? And then the little, little girl was like, oh, my God. Okay, I don't even know what the fuck to feel right now. And then they take the dog, and it's like, all right, go have fun with your new fucking family. Just stay away from my kids. That was such a, like I said, I don't want to spoil it. That was such a uh, such a tense scene because I'll just say just a moment where uh, I'll just leave it as she holds up the water bottle, and yeah, just like <laughs> I mean, yeah, you've seen all this stuff up to this point, and I'm just like this because it's like you <laughs> don't know, you do not know what's going to happen. No, I, I don't. You so. can't. You can't. There's so many feelings. Why do you do this? You always do this, Jail. Every once in a while, <laughs> like every like month or so, you're like, I'm really excited for you guys to see this one. And then I watch the movie and I'm like, what the fuck are you excited about? This is terrible. <laughs> this is so bad. Which is fucked up because it's not a, ter- it's a really good movie. No, it's- it is. <laughs> it was just very bad things happen. Yes. Uh, that was the that was the thing that that got me was the was the deeper the the deeper themes behind the violence behind the gore and behind uh, uh, I would say behind you know with everything even the story itself is it the you know, the the nature of the abuser the nature of the abused Angela Bettis's character being pretty much locked into her role as as this is what she is and then the weird dynamic. Uh, between it was almost like the the son the dynamic between the abusive father and the abusive son and then of course the battered wife the extremely battered wife and then the daughters like she's when her when her when she finally puts her uh or takes the blinders off and realizes what's, what the fuck is going on what's going on with her daughter what's going on with her son how everything is fucked up and how the woman makes the how Pollyanna McIntosh's character, the woman, makes the, um, I would say, the differentiation uh, between who is salvageable and who is not. That Angela Bettis' character was broken, but the girls were not. The like uh, the little girl, um, Darlin, Peggy, uh, were not. It were, were salvageable because you, know, you think you know you can save the the wife from this, but no, she's too far gone. Right. Um, really, really. Uh, Really good, but really gruesome, gruesome film. And Mandel, I will not spoil the ending for you. Yeah, yeah, I will not spoil it. It just one of the one of the big themes is you don't know people behind closed doors because he comes across as he's clean cut and he's a lawyer. And I know we've all heard stories of just like, oh, well, we know this person, we hang out with them, they're a great coworker, blah 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 blah, something like that. And then all of a sudden, it's like then something horrific happens. Yep. And it's like, maybe I didn't know them. And, and you, know, like, you don't know people. You don't fucking know you people. Don't, you don't you don't know people behind closed doors until you get the personal you get the personal theme behind it. And then you get the theme of civiliz- civilization. 
civilized. Yep. What what Americans did to the Native Americans that were here, we will force you to convert because we are civilized. We are in the right. And you'll be surprised how far people will go if they believe they're genuinely right. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, so it's the idea of civilized could only be what other people see of them. It doesn't fucking matter what happens behind closed doors as long as they come off as a certain way in society. And I've, I've known people like that who are a completely different person. You know, you get them in a, in a room and it's just, you, you know, a couple of people and they completely switch over and it's terrifying. And it's just people you can't, you got to watch out for that's why quarantine was so good. Stay yeah. the fuck away from me. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, Marshanista. Yes, she was pretty. She was pretty good in Let Us Pray. Um, Let Us Pray was a was a solid film. Pollyanna McIntosh. The one thing that it really, really got me was because she has, as the primitive woman, she has no language um, other than like grunts or you know like physical indicators to what she wants. Uh, but she did. She has no like actual language. And as an actor. Uh, taking that away from somebody is, you know, is language being, you know, like our one of our greatest tools, the ability to emote through our voice. She has to emote through her body, very similar to way to how an animal would. And combi- combining that with the emotive capability of, of the eyes and what she conveys is so brilliant. And you can re- it's almost like you could feel her dialogue in every single one of the scenes, you know, even in the scene when, when the father is taking advantage, is taking advantage of her in the shed. Um it's intense. It, uh, if if you are a fan of extreme horror, this definitely qualifies up there with extreme horror. Be, beyond the realm of like gore horror, like because Offspring was definitely a gore horror film. Saw is gore horror, like this. But if you like deeper shit, real extreme like human terror, like the, you know, this would be a film that you would enjoy. I, I know that Marcianista thought this uh, thinks this movie is really really good. And it really is. I really enjoyed it. I will go back and occasionally watch it. Just to remind myself, um, and the the sequel to it, the the one that she directed, uh, Darling, was actually not bad either. I thought it was a good continuation of the story, but it's actually a, a kind of a standalone standalone chapters of a trilogy: um, Offspring, The Woman, and Darling. So, so I'm just assuming Darling follows the same characters. Yes, uh, Darling okay. is Dar- Darling don't, is the, don't little, give away too is much, the little girl. Right? Is the little girl grown up? Okay, right, so okay. yeah. I'm, so, uh, I'm kind of inter- I'm interested now. Like that's that's something that I'm interested yeah. in now because of. So Gavlar, the Hand of Zaz says, I have not seen this movie, but Antichrist and Irreversible fucked me up big time. Yes, uh, and the, I would say the the woman goes up there with Antichrist as far as extreme extreme horror and of course deep deep dark psychological shit and of course uh, Monica Bellucci Irreversible. Wow. I don't know how, as, as an actor, I can't even fathom that getting through that the particular scene that we're talking about was really, really rough. Um, I would say, uh, PhD Tony, can, so can you name a similar a similar film? A similar film to this one uh, would definitely be up there with, um, I would say, any kind of extreme, uh, extreme, because uh, it's a combination of the gore and the psychology of it, which makes it really, really dark. What, I think, you're, I think you're irreversible. I think Irreversible is a good comparison to this one. We just covered a movie. I guess it's not really like the exact same, but it was up there. It was that uh, started out black and white, a uh, little girl. She grew up and was all. Oh, the eyes of my mother. Yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, like, like feeling wise that, you know, 
it was psychological like that, but yeah. I, I, this one's hard to compare to other movies. It's kind of yeah, it's very it's very unique, it's very there. unique, absolutely very unique. All right, but um, that brings us to our call to action uh, or uh, for our audience. So. Anyone out there in the live chat, or if you're listening to this later, obviously hit us up in the comments. Let us know what your favorite one is. Are you a fan of this level of horror film, or does it is it too much? Is there a level of horror film that does it does freak you out? And if you are a huge fan of horror like this, of extreme, deeply disturbing psychological horror, what's your favorite one? We'd love to hear about it. Let us know in the comments. We'll see who uh, what people say in the live chat, or hit us up weekendhorror at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think. Oh, let's see what we got. All right. Um, it was just, I don't remember if you watched my oh, – oh, they're talking about uh, his film. Um, let's see. Dang. That was at four. I, I, I want people to go watch the woman if they get the opportunity. And we'll see if uh, anybody out there is uh, – what what extreme horror films that they are fans of. But uh, Definitely not the human centipede. Eugene, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Eugene, I think it's something uh, something we used to do, and I wanted to bring it back. Um, we have a few birthdays this week. Yes. So, oh, uh, well, we'd like to wish a happy birthday to director David Lynch, who his birthday is January twentieth, nineteen forty six. We have mm-hmm. horror legend Linda Blair. Her birthday is January twenty second, nineteen fifty nine, and we like to remember. Our legend, we talked about him earlier, Rucker Howler, whose birthday is January 23rd, 1944, and he passed away on July 19th, 2019, on what would have been, and this would have been his 77th birthday. Oh, Rucker Howler, I miss him. I miss him terribly. I miss him too. Yeah. But you definitely wanted to wish a good, have a big happy birthday to one of my favorite directors, director David Lynch, a Kalyami. <laughs> David. <laughs> it's David Lynch. I mean, it's, it's David, David Lynch. Lynch. I mean, Twin Peaks. It's it's fantastic shit. Um, <laughs> I, I, whenever I think of whatever I think of, I think of what is you know obviously on uh, the Cleveland show, um, and when he showed up in Family Guy a couple times, the way Seth MacFarlane just handled him. <laughs> the the uh, what was it? Uh, uh, how uh, what was it? How uh, David Lynch stole Christmas? <laughs> he just slid this into the house. I brought you a gift. It's a severed thumb. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. That's the whole point. <laughs> oh, it's great stuff. Um, oh, let's see what we got. We got some people. Uh, let's see. Uh, Dark Steve says, I can watch anything, just not hostile. Hostile okay. was pretty extreme in the violence and the gore yeah, in that one. Yeah, that, that was pretty brutal. Yeah, the cutting torch to the. Uh, yeah. I have eyeballs. Yeah. Uh, Achilles tendons. Achilles tendons are the ones that always get me, dude. That that makes my teeth hurt when I say yeah, that. Dude, that dude, it's like, yeah. oh. I think that that was a scene that that was a scene that kind of sold Pet Cemetery. It was like, oh shit, fuck, oh, it hurt. It hurt so fucking bad. Oh, it hurt so fucking bad. Anywhere but the Achilles. Uh, Man Devil says hereditary. Uh, also pretty pretty. Oh, bone tomahawk and bone tomahawk. I was say bone tomahawk. With Kurt Russell, that that was a wild fucking uh, fucking western, with the cannibalistic Indians. God, we fu- we did that one film too. It wasn't uh, a cannibal corpse. That's just an awesome heavy metal band. Um, <laughs> uh, fuck, what's it called? Cannibal Holocaust. Cannibal Holocaust. Well, no, we did we did cannibal we did, Ferox. Yeah, yeah, Ferox. Yeah. That was that was another one. That one was pretty rough. I, that one was that one was pretty rough. <laughs> Thinking back on it, that was pretty brutal. 
See, Marshanista says raw is in the same tone, uh, but more palatable. And you, I would agree. I would agree. But raw does have some of those those deeper themes uh, that go along with it. about the uh, about the vegan girl who uh, is is uh, hazed into eating meat, and she winds up turning into a cannibal and eating people. <laughs> <laughs> and Man Devil makes the joke: uh, Achilles tendons are your weak spot. You <laughs> <laughs> uh, almost call it my Achilles heel. <laughs> <laughs> But we have a trivia question tonight, don't we? And I want to let everybody out know, uh, before Alex gives you the trivia question, the prize we're giving away is a weekend horror. Signed that... photograph of JL's dick. No, what? Oh, oh podcast. Sorry. Gross! <laughs> That's next week, Alex. Next week. <laughs> no spoilers. No spoilers. Um, <laughs> Goddamn, my fucking chair. Fuck. I gotta get a new one. Um, the, the, prize, the, the prize that we're giving away, the prize that we are giving away this week is an official Weekend Horror Limited Edition t-shirt because this is the last week that the Limited Edition shirt of the zombified me, of me as a zombie, going after my fellow co-hosts. That shirt will be coming off of Teespring at the end of this week on the 16th. The 16th will be the last day that you can get the official Weekend Horror first limited edition t-shirt. We will have another one coming up here very soon. So I will be giving away one of these, or we will be giving away another shirt. This is the last chance you can, oh, this last chance you can win one. And uh, But if you want to get one, I have them at reduced price on Teespring right now. You can check it out. The link is in the description. Um, but Alex, enough, uh, enough uh, lollygagging. What is our trivia question tonight? I mean- Talk to Steve already won. He said 42. That's the answer to life. Everything. Pretty much, yeah. pretty much the answer to everything. <laughs> oh, oh, no, but no, but he also he also followed up with Tony wins. So <laughs> that's pretty much been the we'll, – we'll see if we can get this one past Tony. This will be right, we'll, Okay. This, yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited. All right. This should be All about right. giving away prizes, not trying to beat Tony. <laughs> when did this become about beating to beating PhD Tony? Uh, all right, here we go. Trivia question. Yes. Offspring. The prequel to The Woman was based on a novel written by what controversial horror author? Offspring, the prequel to The Woman, was based on a novel written by what controversial horror author? First one in the live chat wins. Go. Do, do, do. No, I'm not going to do that. That's that's so fucking cliche. Rip. <laughs> Rip. Oh, uh, Alex Trebek. Yeah, it makes oh, me sad. Oh, yeah. All right. First question in. First, oh, the first right answer. The first right answer in gets the official Weekend Horror limited edition T-shirt. Of course, PhD Tony. Directly to them. I'd like to sit down with PhD Tony and talk to him because he seems to know a lot of shit. Uh, the plot hole when PhD Tony <laughs> when PhD Tony won them all. PhD Tony says he knows the answer. He says he knows the answer. Is he going to put it in the chat? He's won like three times, and he gave away his third prize to uh, <laughs> to to Gavilar. Let's see what happens this time. The plot if, holes if he knows, knows it. If he knows it, then he's he's giving somebody else a chance. So whoever wants to swoop in, here it goes again. Offspring, the prequel to the woman, was based on a novel written by what controversial horror author? He's got a lot of really controversial shit. Yes, out there. He's, he's got some, he's got some dark shit. He's got some serious <laughs> dark shit. I think um, uh, the girl next door was really fucking rough too. Ooh, there you go. Yeah, that was a hint. <laughs> that was a hint. Oh, we got Marshanese. 
Yes, Sarcasm. Yeah, sarcasm. We got one. Oh, there you go. Correct. Yeah, hey. Gets it with nice. Jack Ketchum. Yes. Yes. Oh, see, well, hang on a sec. So, PC Tony knew it. The plot hole knew it. Marsha Nista knew it. Uh, but she cheated on Google by looking on Google. You can look on Google. It's not cheating. Yeah, we you can say look you can on Google. Google. Hey, if you could Google faster than everybody else, that's a fucking win in itself. That's yeah. a skill. Absolutely. <laughs> so, Sir Chasm takes it with Jack Ketchum. Uh, Dark Steve follows up with also Jack Ketchum. But, yes, yeah, Sir Chasm, congratulations on winning the last chance for an official Weekend Horror limited edition T-shirt. Um, shoot me or shoot us your uh, shipping details. Either hit us up on Discord or you can hit us up at weekendhorror at gmail.com and we will ship your shirt directly to you. And be sure to let me know what size you want to wear. And we will get that out to you. Awesome. Cool. Sarcasm takes it. Badass. I and Dark Steve also Googled it. <laughs> <laughs> Google is Yes, in trivia contest, Google is your friend. Google yeah. will always be your friend. I guess we should put that out there. It's not cheating. You don't have to feel bad if you can get the answer out there quicker. We're asking you all at the same time. So, Yeah, you can Google any question that we ask for trivia. By all means, go for it. Definitely. Yeah, we're, we're actually expecting it. So, Man Devil, do we get to answer? It says bonus question. What was the name of the driver? In, oh, my, hitch, yeah, my hitchhiker story about. Okay, Man Devil, I apologize. I did see you writing... Like like a like a story. I saw the TBCs, the to be continued. I saw you writing a hitchhiker story. I do apologize because I'm paying attention to the live chat. And I also have the script. <laughs> thing. I didn't get to read it all, dude. I'm and... I'm gonna win this one because the prize is a signed edition of PhD Tony. Sir <laughs> 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 uh... Oh man, that that sucks. That's that's more. Um, Sir Chasm, if you, uh, I'd, I'd like to be able to send you the shirt, and um, I can get one and hold on to it and send it to you when you're available when, when it's available to be sent to you. If that's cool, if you'd like it, if you'd like to do that, or well, if you want to send stuff to like, uh, yeah. like the UPS store and shit, or if um, you want to, if you if you really do want to send it to somebody else, just you know you can name somebody else in the chat. Uh, uh, I think Dark Steve was the second person to get it right. Um, in the chat, so it's totally up to you. Whatever you want to do, just let just let us email us weekendhorror at gmail or hit us up on our Discord, and we'll we'll sort it out there. Cool. Yeah, it's, it's something I used to work delivery, and I would drop off. Um, I would drop off at places like that. A lot of times, mm-hmm. if you just put the address of the hotel and then your room number, they'll clearly, they can at least drop it off at the front office. And you come down and pick it up. Cool. So, so yeah, that's an idea. We're Walgreens. Walgreens. Hit us up. Hit us up. We'll find a solution. We'll find a yeah. solution to it. There's always a way. So, but all right, that brings another episode of Weekend Horror to a close. Thank you all so much for listening, and we truly hope you enjoyed the show. And a huge thank you to all of our incredible patrons, and who help us bring Weekend Horror to you every week. Jose O, Alexis S, Kyrie, NANA, Jessica G, Basic Trigonometry. Gavlar, the Hand of Zod, PhD Tony, Craft Aquila, Sarcasm, Commander Darklight, Dark Steve, and Jeff Roberts. Thank you so much. We love you guys. Thank you so much. Yes, we do. We love you. We appreciate you coming in every week, listening to us just talk about our favorite films. Are these in chronological order? Uh, Yes, they were in chronological order. We started out with the OG Jose Olalde, and I remember Lexus coming in after that. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks, guys, for being on the, the top of that. 
Um, and then you know, last last week was incredible. With I think it looks like about fifty percent of y'all. We had an amazing uh, last the last week's episode was incredible. We had an amazing four patrons jump on. Um, it's it's incredible. It blows my mind. I'm still I'm still like just kind of you know, shocked by it that you guys love the show enough to support it. It's so amazing. Uh, I, I can't I can't express my gratitude enough. I really can't. So thank you guys also to all your patrons and of course every single person in the live chat for liking the show, for sharing the show, everything you guys do for us. We could not do this without every single one of you. You guys are fucking amazing. We love doing the show for you and giving away stuff. So I'm just gonna we've got closing plugs. I'm gonna let Eugene get to it otherwise. Yeah, I'm, just gonna, I'm just gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get fucking misty I'm gonna get all gushy here. So go for it, Eugene. <laughs> so thank you so much. And as always, you can visit us at WeekendHorror.net, where you can find links to all of our episodes, our bios, our merch store, at Teespring, and of course, enter your email for a permanent entry to win a mystery horror shirt every month. For more horror entertainment, be sure to check us out on Facebook and Twitter. Followers get our daily splatter, a bit of horror info every day, right to your feed. You, you never know what you may discover. Oh, and Instagram, too. Yeah. Oh, and Instagram, too. Yes, we are on Instagram. So, yeah, definitely follow us on Instagram. And we really hope you enjoy the new live format, and we love to get your feedback. Subscribe to our channel and smash that bell like a zombie head at the latest on a latest show. And lastly, if you truly love what we do here, we will, and if you like and are able to support our production, you can through our PayPal and our Patreon. We have, we have Patreons here as low as $1, a bonus and exclusive content, and horror films every month. Links to everything, including our Discord community, where you can find film recommendations, trailers, trivia games, and interact directly with us are below. But we know these are trying times, and things are extremely tight. And as always, simply liking and sharing this show to your local horror community is always the absolute best way to help us continue to grow. We appreciate each and every one of you for your continued listenership. And I'm Eugene. I'm JL. I'm Alex. We'll see you next week. And as always, stay scared.